Open up the door, bitches. Wolf of Google with the green teeth. Let me in. And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. Studying, studying. Here comes Cooper out of that outside move again. Cooper, outside. Can he pull the move? Matt Cooper with a brilliant move on the outside. Never seen that done through Mosses. And look at the run that Matt Cooper has. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show that matters. The show of record. The show that puts you on pole position for news, commentary, and opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. Yes, episode number 44, the Robbie Rolfel, Paul Esperago, and John Hainer edition of Rumble Strip Radio. Coming to you from an absolutely freezing... I'm sorry, let me get my Nick Harris in there absolutely freezing little Baghdad here in the outskirts of uh, Detroit. It is 30 friggin' degrees today. Okay, it was in the 60s two days ago. It's snowing. This is horseshit. Sorry. Okay, rant over for the day. Well, maybe rant over for the day. <laughs> As always, welcoming you back to the show for all the new people coming in. Uh, welcome, welcome. And uh, hopefully we'll have a good uh, good show in here for you today. Let's get the uh, administrative stuff out of the way. Uh, email, of course, for all feedback, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website, www.rumblestripradio.com. would ask you to head on over to the site and do the Google thing, either clicking through the ads or doing some searches uh, on our search bar there. Got that cleaned up this week or last week, so hopefully that uh, makes the... Site look a little cleaner. Definitely not a HTML slash CCS guy. So, and also uh, a couple of people. I want to thank a couple of people, including Sarah Walker, and there were two other people who uh, I'm drawing a blank on who they were, but who have taken our player on the main site and put them onto their site as well. So, if you'd like to do that and help spread the word and gospel that is Rumble Strip Radio that way, it would be much appreciated. It's a couple couple clicks there. It'll give you the code that you can paste up onto your site, and you are good to go. So lots of news uh, this week. Lots of stuff going on, including, uh, well, especially race two at Donington was an outstanding race. We're going to definitely be talking about that. All kinds of things going uh, on in and around that race we'll be spending some time on as well. But uh, let's just dive right into the news. And with some good news that I don't Remember if I mentioned a week or so ago, but uh, Pinky's Pizza is back in business. Our friend uh, Tom Bysheim, also known as Tom Pinky out there in Walnut Creek, California, um, generated enough media attention for what was going on in his pizza place and the fact that between uh, PG&E, the landlords, and some other people that couldn't decide who was responsible for the fact that there was no electricity in the building, um, 
Well, basically, PG&E came in and fixed it one day, and now the lawyers are deciding who owes who. So, But it's good to see Tom Pinky back in business, one of the uh, truly great old-school pizza joints uh, still around and kind of an epicenter for uh, motorcycles, motorcyclists out in uh, Northern California, Walnut Creek, the suburb of San Francisco. Um, the AMA is out testing at Laguna and Sears Point this week. Apparently, Aaron Yates had a bit of a crash at Laguna and cracked up some ribs, so he's done testing there and unsure whether he's going to be making the Sears Point test as well. So uh, for the first time in, I don't know, forever, no rain is forecast for the Sears Point, rate, uh, Sears Point test. That thing usually gets rained out. And Laguna is usually cold and wet, too. But uh, weather, for whatever reason, is cooperating this week. I'd much rather be out there than here this week. Oh, one thing I did want to mention last week is that uh, through the magic that is the interwebs, I was able to come across some of the Canadian superbike races from, from last year. And one thing that was uh, very, very interesting about those broadcasts is that they're broadcast in HD. Yes, the Canadian series broadcast their races in HD. Not even MotoGP is doing it, and yet the Canadians are getting it done. And let me tell you, um, even though it's all compressed, you know, there's a bunch of compression done, and, and uh, you know, the window isn't normally what you'd see on TV when you blow it up, whatever. It's still a phenomenal picture. And I'll tell you what, that is... That is a way that uh, we definitely need to be headed motor, heading motorcycle road racing is to uh, is to an HD uh, arena and to an HD world, and it will make a huge huge difference in grabbing sponsorship for motorcycles because, uh, as I've said before, especially the world superbike guys, their fairings are you know non-existent anymore thanks to Honda and a few other people. Um, that there's very little space for these sponsors on there, so it's very difficult on TV to see the sponsor. Handsbury's color coordination is horrible. Good God. It looks like two green, a big green box with a white bar in it. You can't even tell it says Handsbury on it. Uh, so whoever came up with that design needs to be shot. But uh, So I just want to applaud um, um, uh, Colin Frazier and, and the professional motorsport uh, crew, and uh, TSN up in Canada for broadcasting that HD. It's, it, it's really well done, and um, there's enough of you out there know where to go uh, and find that stuff. Go download a couple of the races. Uh, a few good races are from last year, and uh, and check it out in HD. It was, uh, it was very, very cool. Uh, I would also like to thank David Emmett, uh, the man from uh, Kerplotkin. Thanks, and if you ever want good race summaries, um, definitely head on over there. We've talked about David uh, before on the show. And uh, he was kind enough to send me a note this week about, uh, I had a question about numbers and why guys had certain numbers. I think the main reason was why he was Zoust running triple one instead of 11. So I'm basically just going to read you the, uh, the email that he sent me. Um, here's the way the numbers are handed out. The riders are allowed to pick number in order in which they finished in the championship. So you finish first, you get to choose number one if you want it, or any other number that you like. Then second place chooses, and then third, etc., etc., etc. This always caused problems for the popular numbers, such as 11, 7, and 17. So the riders who want a particular number but finish down in the order in the championship have to come up with a different number uh, or a way to use a similar number. So Zaus has triple one because Courser is 11. Courser finished higher in the championship and got first choice. Same thing happened to Vermeulen. 
He really wanted to run number seven, but Chaka had that one. And Frankie Keeley had it in World Superbike. His fallback number was 17, which he ran in World Superbike, and I think World Supersport as well, but I'm not sure. Uh, when Vermeulen switched to MotoGP, Randy Depunia had already grabbed number 17, so he switched the numbers around to make it 71. At the end of last year, he could have taken a different number, but then there's the whole marketing thing going on. Suzuki have already got all the number 71 t-shirts printed up and, and all that good stuff, so now he's stuck with that number. So there you go. Um, I had also asked if um, anyone had the video for Steve Parrish riding Hopper's bike, and he did give me the link. And I will try to remember to put that into the show notes. There's some commentary that I think he added the voiceover afterwards uh, in watching it a couple times. But maybe he actually did uh, did record it on bike. But it seems the audio seems a little too clean uh, to have been recorded on the bike. But who the hell knows? Uh, and, oh, you mentioned one other thing here. And uh, a few episodes ago, this was the, the Wayback Machine edition of the show. You mentioned Wilco Zeelenberg and wondered what had become of him. He works for Yamaha and is now heavily involved in the racing program. So thanks to David for all of that. And, um, like I said, Kropotkin thinks very, very good, uh, uh, good blog, good website. So I've, uh, definitely got it. I'm definitely subscribed to it, uh, on my, uh, net newsreader. So. Or Net Newswire, sorry, Net Newswire, my RSS reader. Other news coming out of Europe this week regarding uh, the MotoGP world. Uh, a lot of interesting things. Something that I caught a whiff of last week from uh, one source, and now I'm hearing it again from a second source, is that Ilmore is not just going to miss the next two rounds due to lack of funding. They're just done. They uh, they did their thing last year with the testing, uh, race you know, the last two races and then uh, opening round at Cutter this year. And that's it. They're done. They're going away. So I got a lot of thoughts on that. None of them real positive. Nothing real good to say about that. Um, sad to see, really. Uh, and I feel bad for for Pitt and McWilliams who, well, Pitt definitely who turned out another ride to to get on, the, on a MotoGP bike and McWilliams because... Um, busted a leg and lost a finger, ground down a finger. Now for a bike that he's not even really going to get to ride in a race. So, yeah, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, also coming out of Donington this weekend regarding MotoGP is a rumor that both Tenkata and All Star may end up in MotoGP next year. Tenkata would be a Honda satellite team running uh, Toslin. And Francis Bata is now making some noise about going to MotoGP with Max next year. Uh, some of it... Now, the one thing... This was on Crash.net, and Crash.net's sort of like uh, MCN. you gotta, you got to bring your, your uh, box of salt when, when, when they start writing stuff. First in the thing about All-Star is that Bata doesn't want uh, uh, different regulations allowing Ducati's more... Uh, more engine capacity, engine capacity, and then later in the article it says he's okay with it because he had signed off with it in the past. So whatever those guys are doing, but uh, I do find it very, very interesting that uh, two of the top teams in World Superbike are also interested in going in MotoGP. This is a good thing. Obviously, more teams in MotoGP. It's also a bad thing because um, I would be ninety nine percent certain that if they're going MotoGP, unless they get some huge funding. Uh, for it, it's going to axe their 
World Superbike programs, and they're two of the best teams uh, or two of the top teams in World Superbike. So I definitely don't want to see that uh, going down. But um, could be interesting. That'll be definitely one of the uh, the great things in the rumor mill for uh, over the next uh, several months as we as we go along. I also want to uh, throw out some congrat or uh, yeah congratulations to uh, Caprex and his, and his wife Ingrid. They had a boy, uh, Ricardo, this week and came in at let's see where are my numbers here three point three five kilos uh, or about just under seven and a half pounds. So kicking little boy, and hopefully now that his son is born, Caprex can find some damn speed. Seeing as how I picked him to win the MotoGP championship this year, killing me on that thing. And uh, also that uh, came out this weekend at Donington is that Neil Hodgson is going to be, pick, be being picked up as a test rider by the Ducati MotoGP team as uh, Shinichi Ito is injured and he's going to be filling in on that. So who knows, um, he may get a couple wild card rides out of that. And if anyone goes, you know, if either uh, Caparex or Stoner goes down this year or, you know, even someone on the Dantine team. Um, you know, whether that's uh, Barros uh, or uh, or Hoffman, uh, he could be slotted right in there uh, and get a ride. So props to Hodgson, although I do have some – he had some interesting things to say in, in commentary in the uh, in the Superbike race at Donington. We'll, we'll get to that here in a couple minutes. Uh, Roberto Locatelli had some, fa- uh, some successful surgery, some face surgery. I guess he had some plates put in to help repair his jaw. Uh, and uh, basically, he's on a liquid diet for the next few weeks as he uh, comes back from from the from that crash at Hareth, and uh, that's nasty, just nasty, busted up jaw and some other fractures. So hopefully, we'll see uh, Roberto back on the Jalera here later in the year. And if not, you know, tough break, but good rider. Definitely, uh, at least hope he uh, is able to recover from that uh, and uh, continue on with a successful life. And the uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up here in the news section is that Team Roberts has yet another sponsor. So in the last, what, two months, they've gone from not having enough money really to run the season to to getting, what, three three new sponsors now. They got uh, F1 Max-X, which is a marketing company. They're associated with Treasure Island. Uh, so those two came on. Now, if I understood it right, they're only on for three or four races for sure. Maybe we'll extend that. Um, but it looks like Top Oil, who's the newest sponsor they just signed, uh, is on for the season. So what I'm going to do here is ask for your help. And that is I have put the email addresses for both um, the senior marketing and VP of sales, senior marketing guy for Top Oil. I've put his email address in the show notes and uh, also for the uh, F1 Max Treasure Island people. If you would be so kind... Uh, as to take two minutes and drop them an email and just say, along, you know, hey, would like to thank you for your participation in MotoGP and supporting Team Roberts. Great to see American companies helping out an American team or just, you know, helping out motorcycle racing in general. If you could do that, that would be much, much appreciated. And for this reason, and this is because I come from a marketing background, the ratio. I'm going to be off on my number here, but it's like eight to one. So if something's bad, you'll get a whole lot of people that will call, email, whatever, to complain about something. But if something good happens, 
you know, it's like an eighth of that number. So if you, okay, let's just say you'll get one for every eight, okay, easiest number. Even my basic math can figure that one out. Um, but only one person will say for something good. So if we can get, you know, the hundreds of people that listen to this show, almost a thousand people, um, that listen to this show to just take two minutes and, um, and drop an email, that would be outstanding. And that will do nothing but help Team Roberts to keep that coming in. It will also help motorcycle racing because then they'll see, hey, motorcycle people appreciate this. Then they can look at other avenues to help, whether that's in the U.S., whether that's overseas, doesn't matter. Um, just very cool that we're getting, well, at least especially with the F1 Max Treasure Island people outside the industry sponsors involved. And as I've said a thousand times, and I'm sure that everyone's sick of it, of hearing me say it, if we want to grow the sport, if we want it to be as big as, you know, just grow, be big, be successful, it has to be because of outside the industry sponsors. It's not, the industry isn't big enough to be able to feed itself. Let's just put it that way. I think that's the best way to put it. So with that, um, that pretty much wraps up the news section of the show. Let's hear from a couple of the boys out in the uh, MotoGP crew. Would also like to say welcome back to Bob Hayes of MotoGP. He has successfully returned from the hell that is Afghanistan and is back in the U.S. of A. And we'll be looking to hear him on uh, on this show. Well, this particular, not my show. Well, maybe we'll get Bob on the show, but his show, MotoGP. OD. 240 horsepower, 200 miles per hour, two wheels with no roll cage. This is the world of motorcycle road racing, the pinnacle of motorsport. I'm Bob Hayes, host of MotoGP OD, the podcast about motorcycle road racing. Tune in each week as we discuss what's happening in MotoGP, World Superbike, and AMA racing. Race reports, tech talk, opinion, reader email, we have it all. Just go to www.motogpod.com and subscribe. Calling all Canadians. Do you ride a bike on the back of a bike or daydream about either one? Do you like to lumber along on a Sunday morning or scrape your pegs in the twisties? Do you like to dodge sand dunes or ford rivers? Well, if you answered yes to any of the above, then why not give a listen to the Twisted Wrist podcast? The Twisted Wrist is the first podcast dedicated to the Canadian rider from a Canadian perspective. So why not toss on your jacket and gloves, lace up your boots, strap on your lid, and plug into the Twisted Wrist? Your ticket to Northern Adventure is at twistedwrist.blogspot.com. The Twisted Wrist, podcasting with a mouthful of bugs. And uh, Mr. Tim from uh, Twisted Wrist, you were supposed to give me a ring when you were in town for that little event at Ford Field last week, and I didn't hear from you. So drop me a line. What the hell's going on? And I was wondering, uh, I was thinking that uh, you dropped, uh, Tim was down for an event, a big event down at uh, Ford Field here in, in Detroit. And uh, I was thinking, oh, he, yeah, so, you know, if he's in town, maybe we get together. And I'm thinking, nah, that'd be kind of cool to do a Twisted Wrist Rumble Strip radio broadcast. So now that I have a mobile setup, thanks to the Sidestand Cafe. And speaking of the Sidestand Cafe, real quickly, show number one is done. It's in the can. I've listened to part of it. Sounds pretty good. It's just a matter of getting, um, well, it's actually up on the server. It's just a matter of the web page going up and the email going out to let everyone know it's live. But uh, SidestandCafe.com. Not on that one, not on episode number one, but I am on episode number two. My part of episode number two is done and in the can. I thought it was, I thought it came out okay. So uh, look for that any day now. So I had intended it to be live April 1st, but 
some technical difficulties going on. And um, yeah, I always have technical difficulties when you're launching a new project. But uh, so that'll be up. That'll be good. It, um, I got to listen to the rest of the show. But uh, so far, I like what I heard. And I think you will, too. All right, let's get to uh, the World Superbike Race. That was at Donington this weekend. It was the 20th anniversary of the beginning of the World Superbike Revolution. And uh, just like the first time it was there, the beginning of April, it was cold and windy. <laughs> and um, some interesting things went on there. Um, a lot of crashing going on this weekend, which I want, want to talk about, including Aaron Slight on a parade lap. You kidding me? Come on, dude. On a parade lap. Rob Phyllis is out there without his glasses, can't see crap, and he can make it around a couple times, but you crash? Brother. Um, also, huge, 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 huge thumbs down to Carl Fogarty. The man who is one of the people who put World Superbike Racing on the map lives not too far from the track, and he doesn't show up. What's wrong, brother? Someone didn't write a big enough check for you? That's ridiculous. I mean, Fogarty, or as uh, Colin Edwards likes to call him, Fagarty, <laughs> uh, um, you know, he's worshipped as a god. I think he even is uh, was given an MBE or whatever by the Queen, right? Knight of the British Empire, whatever, one of those things. Um, and he doesn't show up. That's just that's just bullshit, uh, flat out bullshit. So, but a uh, lot of a lot of cool old guys showing up, and um, some good racing going on. Got to see the Super Pole, uh, Super Pole show. Couple a couple interesting things uh, from Super Pole. Uh, one was the crash of Josh Brooks down. All right, I'm going to get the corner wrong. It wasn't through Craner. Uh, I'm gonna get. I can't remember what the uh, what the corner was. He went down one of the fast corners. Goes went down uh, 140, 150 miles an hour on the low side. And what I found out later is that he was apparently going uh, about 16 kilometers an hour, 16 to 20 kilometers an hour faster through that corner when he went down on his on his uh, super pole lap than uh, than he had before. So maybe why he crashed going just a little bit uh, too quickly. Um, Yukio Kagiyama actually before Super Bowl crashed out on Friday. Apparently banged his head pretty hard and was out with a concussion for the weekend. So there's another guy that's killing me this year. I picked good things for him that for Yukio this year, and uh, he's been nowhere. And hopefully he'll be back for the next round. Ooh, I want to say it's in Spain somewhere. It's, I want to say it's in Valencia, but I may be wrong on that. I got have to look at the schedule. Sorry. Um, Robbie Rolfo and Troy Corser both went off in turn one. Rolfo just went in too hot and uh, ran out of room, ran into the grass or ran in the gravel trap. And uh, and his super pole lap was done. Troy Corser was on a pretty good lap uh, or looked, you know, intended to be on a pretty good lap. But in turn one on his hot lap, uh, he says a gust of wind got him right as he tipped it over into turn one. And that's what caused him to to lose the front. Okay. You say so, Troy. The amazing thing in the, in watching Super Pole was Haga. Haga's lap was was pretty good. It was right there. And then in the last uh, sector, he ended up half a second faster than everyone else up until Bayless came along. So uh, 
he had that side, you know, he had that section mastered, and it really, really would come to pay off come race time. And and you could really see the different lines that he was taking from everyone else in that last section um, that were that were helping him. So we get to um, we get to Sunday and race one, and the big news in race one is what happened to Troy Corser. Uh, lap seven, Corser uh, coming out. I should have wrote down all the names of the corners, but it was, what, corner three, I think. Got on the gas a little bit too early. Bike started to high side up. Traction control kicked in. He got it, and then it kicked him out again, and he went down hard. And uh, turns out he had to uh, – he messed up his finger pretty good and actually asked um, in the medical area for them to amputate part of his pinky finger – so that he could get back out in race two. I mean, how hardcore is that? But it turns out he um, he had surgery uh, Tuesday, I believe it was, and amputated um, the first two joints off. I'm, I thought it was his little his pinky finger. Maybe it was his ring finger. But also, I found out in the race two and uh, from the uh, Ducati press release was that when he got high sided, his clip ons also nailed him um, in the family jewels. Where are your testicles? Yeah, uh, probably a little sore. That's where they are, Matt. So, anyways. Um, so once, uh, sorry, just just not good, okay? Just not good when that happens. Uh, no two ways about it. But uh, once Bayless was out, uh, Toslin pretty much dominated the race. He was sitting there in second, got himself about a three-second gap on um, on Max, and... Troy Corser, and every time they tried to make up some space, um, you know that was that was pretty much it. Now, Max had an interesting race. He wasn't he wasn't there right away. Both he and Haga uh, with some crappy starts back in eighth and ninth spot, and then worked their ways up. Unfortunately, you know, burning up your tires, you're not going to have a whole lot left at the end of the race. Uh, Max has sort of got um, bottles. Bottles problems from from last year is he can't get a good starter. He might get off the line good, but he just he's not trusting the tires and the bike on the first few laps. He's getting shuffled way back, and he's having to work way way too hard. Um, especially in race one, race two not so bad, but race one he's having problems. He seems to be having some problems uh, at the start. And um, if he wants to contend for the championship, he's going to have to be up there the whole race and uh, and have something left at the at the back end of the race. Uh, the one really cool thing for the weekend was uh, was our boy Ruben Zaus. Uh, had a really, really good weekend. Unfortunately, he went out with like two laps to go uh, in race one. He crashed out from fifth place, I believe. And, and Neil Hodgson kept making some comments of being surprised at how fast Zaus's bike was. And, uh, oh, you'll never believe who bike Zaus is riding. Yes, he's riding Hodgson's AMA bike from last year. <laughs> So Zaus is able to keep up and run with some of the factory boys, and Neil Hodgson wasn't. Now, the argument could be made, and rightly so, that um, Ducati was asking for some things to change in the AMA rules so that they could run with the factory boys, and this may be proof that the if you if they would have been able to change a few things in the AMA side, that they would have been he would they would have been able to keep up with the Hondas and the Suzukis in the AMA. Who knows? But uh, good to see Ruben on a year-old bike, uh, able to run up in the top five, six, and you know, top ten so far this year. And let's just hope he can keep it on two wheels this 
this year and uh, and score some good points and maybe that will evolve into some good things for him for next year getting a factory ride somewhere so race one um, let's go back and, and talk about super pole for a second here let's just see uh where we went of course uh giovanni busai back at, uh, at donnington uh fringe intact running the uh, 159 rather than his traditional 200 in deference to his sponsor alfa romeo and pushing the alpha 159 this year so um super pole steve martin 14th uh, f- uh michael fabrizio 13th busai 13th neukirker in 12th nieto I'm sorry, Nori Cooker 11th, Nieto 10th, Muggeridge 9, Corser 8, Biagi 7, Zaus was 6, Lanzi. Here's a, I think I think Lanzi and Zaus need to be switching teams, to be honest with you, because Lanzi's doing absolutely nothing this year. Uh, Toslin, Laconi, Haga, and Bayless. That was super pole. Uh, Bayless on pole with a 130.370. And I believe that was a new record. So race one... Do, 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 do. Race one results. Okay, so Toslin was out front and beat Courser at the end by 1.3 seconds. Um, Biagi was about two and a half seconds back um, in th- in third for the final podium spot. Then it went to Haga, Lanzi. Fifth place is a little bit deceiving there. Uh, Laconi, Neukirker, Rolfel, Smertz, uh, Muggeridge, Brooks, Fabrizio, Busai, uh, Dean Ellison, Morelli, Nakatomi, uh, Zanotti, and Steve Martin. And your last four were all a lap down. Um, the one thing that was interesting about there was some not so uh, not so nice comments made about uh, Fonzie Nieto by both Hodgson and um, Jamie Whittem at the end of race one. Uh, kind of busting on him, saying, "Okay, here's James Toslin dominating, and um, and Fonzie's you know way back there." And I think Hodgson's just a little bitter because he couldn't get a ride. And here's Fonzie Nieto uh, running around on a bike that you know, basically, I would assume, very close to an identical bike to Toslin, who's dominating. And Nieto is down there in sixth spot, 19 seconds back. So yeah. sour grapes, a lot of it, but well, there you go. Uh, race two also had a surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do we have no? We don't have points after that race. We'll just do points after the both races. So the big surprise in race two was James Toslin bike cutting out um, at the beginning of lap four as they went through turn one there. And was oh that's Redgate. See, I'll get one corner right. Redgate. Actually, I'll get another one right here in a few minutes because I wrote I wrote that one down. Um. But yeah, middle middle of the corner, a bike seemed just to to cut out on him and stop, and was lucky not to get collected there because they were they were pretty close there uh, as they went in into Redgate for for that corner, and you could see him. He was he was highly pissed. I I think they're going to need a new gas tank for him the way he was punching that thing. Uh, what I haven't seen is the is anyone bad-mouthing JT for showing all the anger and frustration of punching his bike and throwing it up against the wall when he finally parked it, um, where last year when Hopper kicked his bike uh, at Cutter after that thing had you know, blown up on him for about the eighth time in the weekend, everyone was like, oh, you should be fired, that's horrible. Um, you know, and here's JT throwing a temper tantrum, punching his bike uh, and throwing it against the wall. I've seen, I have not seen word one uh, about that, so I don't know whatever. 
Uh, but at the front, after JT was gone, it was Haga, Corsair, and Max with a with a great battle. Haga was out front for a lot of the race. Uh, Max definitely um, having some issues on the brakes, uh, as every time he seemed to go in deep on the brake, almost every time on deep on the brakes, he he'd ended up running it uh, running it pretty wide, and actually did that quite a bit in both races. It's I guess it was one of the things that was uh, I could take away from the race and, and watching it after I'd read a lot of the race reports and some of the notes from everyone else who'd watched it. Uh, you get to pay attention and look for certain things. You're more you're more aware of certain things happening, I guess I should say. Um, but there were two or three spots where Haga was having problems on the break. One of them was the Melbourne Loop. Um, he seemed to get in there pretty deep and run wide a lot. And also at Goddard's. In both race one and race two, he'd get in there on the brakes and end up running wide. Well, guess what happens? Uh, last lap, he and Haga are going at it. They've been swapping back and forth for, for a couple laps. And Max goes in there, tries to protect his line. I get, you know, smart protecting the line, being defensive. He's about ready to come in for the win. But, um, not only he was too tight and in too hot, uh, he ran wide. Big mistake there. Haga slipped right in and he, kind of on a line he'd been going all weekend, coming, coming really wide and then really cutting in on the corner. Um, and then did something very, very smart. And that was, um, he saw Haga going wide. He snuck up on, in underneath. And then he went wide too to, or Haga. Haga kept Max wide, uh, and really, really pushed him to the end of the rumble strip there so that he couldn't get a drive to get around him. So Haga, smart, smart ragecraft, not only seeing the opening, but making sure that that opening stuck where, you know, Max could get back on the gas hard and maybe, bake up for the mistake in the, in the drag race to the, to the finish line. Um, but Haga, with a little bit of racecraft there, screwed up Biagi's drive as he's probably worried about you know where he is on the rumble strip there and couldn't get on the gas as hard. And that was what Haga needed. And it was cool. Haga knew what he did because he was doing a stand-up wheelie. And he did, you know he had a half a bike length on Max at the strike there. But uh, he knew it. So that was very, very cool to see Noriyuki uh, back on top. And then uh, Nori... Pulls, I don't know, I guess he pulled something out of the Valentino Rossi celebration book coming up there with the, the clown wig and, and the big bow tie. That was that was actually really, really funny and good to see uh, Haga celebrating in style. So uh, race two went down Haga uh, from Max by a tenth. Uh, Corsair a second back. Zaus, good run, uh, fourth place. And beating the factory Ducati of Lorenzo Lanzi. Let's rub a little salt in that wound there, right? So let, Ruben's on a year-old, basically a you know not, little more than AMA spec bike, and Lanzi's on the full factory, uh, full tilt boogie bike. And uh, oh, by the way, yeah, not only did he just beat him, he beat him by four seconds. So that's huge. Uh, Laconian six, Rolfo in seventh, Jakob Smertz, nice run for him on a privateer Ducati uh, in eighth. Uh, Muggers, nice run for him in ninth. Neukirker in tenth, Busai home in eleventh. Fabrizio 12th, Martin 13th, Nakatomi 14th, Brooks 15th, uh, Zanani, and then Morelli. So, um, also a note that I thought I put in here. And did I mention? I don't think I mentioned this. Both the Tenkata and the Alto Evolution bikes are not running the Honda Spec rear swing arm. They are getting their swing arms from Team KR, uh, who also, by the way, have done some work for the AMA Honda team. So. It's just cool that uh, um, Kenny's team 
and his engineering crew uh, up, out there in England are doing some work outside of or getting some work outside of MotoGP in uh, in the Superbike guys. So that's cool. Um, I think we'll I would imagine we start seeing more and more uh, go fast parts from them. I mean they're now doing the exhausts and swing arms will be cool. Ah, more and more race parts from them, so much the better. So the big uh, big mix up in standings now. Now had James Toslin been able to take the double double win and because of Bayless going out he would have had 50 points uh over Bayless uh for uh, for the championship which is you know two you know basically a whole race weekend and sweeping a double so 50 points but uh, turns out uh he didn't do it but Toslin still comes out of Donington even though he went out in race 2 with the championship lead at 115 5 points back is uh, Biaggi with 110 Haga with uh, with a really good weekend with the fourth and the win ends up with 88 points now he's in third place uh, like I said 88 points uh, Troy Corser on 80 81 points in fourth Lanzi 66 points in fifth Bayless now back to sixth spot with 64 but don't cut don't count out Troy Bayless uh, Max Neukirker in seventh with 45 Ruben Zaus also with 45 um, man Ruben let's see if he would have finished fifth. Uh, he would have been knocking on Corsa's door there. Not quite, but he'd have been about, what, five points back? Um, so Zaus with 45, Rolfel in eighth spot with 36 points, and Fonzi Nieto rounds out your top 10 uh, with 30 points. So interesting uh, interesting mix-up. The Supersport race um, was interesting because you know, they had the red flag there. And it seemed like it was after two-thirds distance, but... Hey, whatever. Um, fortunately for uh, Ken and Safaglu, it did come out because apparently his clutch was going in the crapper, so they were able to uh, swap out the clutch during the race. And they still do that aggregate timing horse crap for this stuff, which makes no sense to me, but whatever. But uh, Safaglu takes the win. Uh, Robin, Robin Harms was second. Uh, Katsuo Fujiwara third. Craig Jones in fourth. So... Uh, Apparently the kid can ride, and it just wasn't, you know, the fact that he was handicapped by riding the uh, Patronus bike last year. Uh, Simone Santa in fifth, um, David Giuliano in sixth, uh, Tiberio in seventh, uh, Rocoli in eighth, Czech David Czech in ninth, and uh, Gianluca Nanelli in tenth. And I thought he finished. Ah, there he is, Chris uh, Chris Paris, our boy from Canada, finished sixteenth. So your points uh, is uh, Sufagalu with a nice commanding lead at this point, uh, 70 points. Uh, Fujiwara in second with 43. Harms in third with 39. One point back is 4A. In fourth, Kevin Curtin fifth. Reba uh, in sixth with 22. Craig Jones now uh, with 19 in seventh. Um, Rokelli in eighth. Veneman in ninth. And Brock Parks is your top 10 for Super Sport. So, the uh, the other thing, the last thing I wanted to say about, um, well, a couple things about Donington. Um, I heard both the Eurosport feed and whatever the feed is that has uh, uh, our boy Jonathan and then Scott Smart on it. Smart, Scott Smart, I like. He, I think he's a pretty good color guy. Um, I'm gonna call him Jonathan Palmer, but that's Jonathan Green. Jonathan Palmer is the uh, 
Dr. Jonathan Palmer, ex-Formula One driver. Jonathan Green, thank you. I knew it would come to me. Uh, but they also had Fred Merkel in in race two for commentary. And, and I think Fred did a a pretty good job in there in you know in, in the color role there and in, and I think um memo to Chet Burks and anyone working in the Chet Burks empire over there why don't you dial up Fred um is he still uh, he still maybe down in New Zealand but maybe you could uh get him to fly over and and switch your Freds for the color spot and he does does a much better job than than Freddie Spencer the uh the other thing especially because of Bayless What's up with everyone grinding down their fingers this year? Okay, we had Bayless go down this weekend. Uh, we've had McWilliams. Not only did he bust a, bust his leg up, but he had ground down his finger. Matt Lynn has done it, and Hiro Aoyama. So what's the deal, boys? Come on, it's you know that's that's definitely not not too cool. So that uh, that is um, uh, yeah that wraps up Donnie. Good, pretty good weekend. Very cool. A lot of festivities going on. I got. Uh, um, a note from from Toby Moody. He was out there on Friday saying, you know, it was really cold and windy, um, but there were a lot of really cool festivities going on um, for the weekend there. And apparently, the whole you know lap of honor with some of the old boys in there and some bikes on display was was supposed to have been pretty pretty cool. So would have been a would have been a really cool race to see. So I've um, got one last little thing for you. And uh, last week I talked about having gotten some audio from Donington last year, but for MotoGP, a pre-Donington race with, with Colin Edwards and um, Casey Stoner. It was hosted by uh, Keith Ewan and Julian Ryder. And I got it from, I want to say it was Twaggy. Uh, that's a screen name on the right on two board, but I may be wrong on who I originally got the audio from. Uh, but I went through it, listened to it again a couple times last night and, uh, got a couple spots from you and we'll get to that we'll talk about them and i'll try to introduce them a little bit for you some really really funny stuff uh let's hear from one more of the guys in the uh, mpg crew and then we'll get to we'll get to that listen up everyone if you ride a sport bike and you're not listening to the knee dragon podcast you're not getting the whole story the knee dragon podcast is motorcycle talk that doesn't suck we cover all things sport bike related from superbike and moto gp racing to the newest street sport bikes from riding technique to the latest technology if it affects our sport it's in the show so check it out www.kneedragon.net all right so um Three three bit three uh, three bits here. One of them, um, a couple of them are a little, or one of them, actually two two of the three are a little bit longer audio clips here, but um, they're good. And I'll apologize for some of the audio quality. I tried to clean it up as much as I could, but you know I'm getting this third and fourth hand audio, so uh, I did with it what I could. the uh, The first spot I have for you here, which is um, Colin talking about uh, about Assen. This is I think this is the week. Donington was the week right after Assen, if memory serves correctly. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, literally was a week afterwards. And uh, as many of you recall, Colin and Nikki were going back and forth for the race win. Um, Colin looked to have it in the bag. Nikki made one last move. Colin went to block it, messed up, and crashed literally on the last corner, giving, giving Nikki the win. So this is Colin giving his version of what happened at Assen and some of the things afterwards. Take a listen. 
So let's work. Yeah, so you want to hear the story? Let's have some fun. Honestly, it's uh, uh, whenever Nikki outbroke me and kind of pushed me under, he didn't push me, it's a draft, kind of pushed me under the curve, so I made, obviously I made the first mistake, gave it to him one time. And uh, then I had a laugh and a half, so I put my head down, and you know, I didn't really feel like I did anything special, but I ended up catching him, and I thought, hey, I'm going to win this race, so I passed him. And uh, at that point, I was in kind of what we call kill mode, I guess. <laughs> Kill or be killed. Be killed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, whenever I passed him, I went in the last corner and I thought, to, okay, just break mid-track, break this deep, break mid-track. And uh, he came up and uh, he was going in way too hot and I was in there a bit hot. And, uh, but you know, you spin lap after lap after lap for three days and you go, you go in the last corner, you go right, left, gas, right, left, gas, right, left, it's just... It's, and whenever I was in kill mode, I was in autopilot and I went right, left, under the grass, yes, dumbass. <laughs> Anyways, most of you saw that probably, and uh, I was I was pretty devastated. Honestly, I'll be honest with you, I was devastated. I was like, God, unbelievable. I mean, it was there. It was in my hands. And uh, I was really disappointed about it uh, for about 10 minutes. I got into the paddock and uh, I was like, I can't talk right now. And I, you know, smashed my helmet down or whatever and spit the dummy like a dude. Not just for a little bit, not too bad. I've done a hell of a lot worse than that. <laughs> but, anyway, um, but just kind of under control and I thought, I gotta go in the truck and change. I gotta get out of here. So I go in the truck and change and, and my wife and my little girl, uh, Gracie, she's three and a half, she comes in. And uh, I'm, tell you the story. I'm well enough thinking about it, but just the innocence, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm all pissed off and my little girl comes walking up to me and she goes, what's wrong with that, dad? Are you, are you upset? Are you sad that you crashed? You got a bobo? Can I kiss your bobo? I'll make a joke. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and at the same time that they walked in, David Ruby, our team manager, walked in behind them. He's just kind of stopped and stood there. I see him welling up with tears, and my wife's welling up with tears. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's just motorcycles, you know? And he's just talking, and I'm like, where's your, where's your bobo? I got a little bobo in here. So she kissed it. Then she saw the scar. I'm like, you got a bobo in here? Okay, you can kiss that one too. <laughs> that, I kind of put it into perspective. I'm like, how the hell can I be really pissed off? You know? I wrote my ass off. Okay, I crashed. I made a little mistake. This happened to be 100 meters before the finish line. <laughs> but, at this, you know, and I'm sitting there, and of course, as you do, as anybody would do, you're going through it, and you're doing circles in your head, and you're like, <laughs> Chris and Aaron come, come by, and, and he, goes, he said to Alicia, she goes, uh, is he all right? She's outside. Is, this, is he all right? Yeah, he's in there, but beware. <laughs> Chris comes walking in the motorhome. I got a castle on Newcastle. Brown hell on my hand. I'm watching the British Super Bowl race. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, what are you doing? I'm oh, watching the races. I don't even this stuff. But no, I mean, it's racing. And through my whole career, it is very uncommon of me to crash uh, on the last lap. But... I, I've never had a last last lap crash, you know. Uh, I, I'm always like the points guy, go get the points, and if that guy's better than you on the day, then okay, don't push it and do something stupid. But that one right, so like, fuck you, I'm winning. <laughs> <laughs> All right, kids, don't miss me.
most honest race report you'll ever hear or read, I think. Cause he didn't tell you when he left the motorhome after having his bobo kiss, he wouldn't punch the lights out two gate men. <laughs> So, pretty good. I mean, come on, you gotta love just just listening to that is one of the reasons you gotta love Colin. You know, he's just, he's pretty honest about stuff um, with a really good attitude. So yeah, that was kind of cool. And talking about the family or whatever. Um, the second bit I have here for you is something that I I thought was one of the best things I've heard in a really really long time. And this is Colin talking about, and it's not just for. Um, He's he's gearing this towards the British riders, the British crowd about um, about their politeness, about but it's about their attitude when they come to race. And as you listen to this, I want you to take away I want you to take away this. I, I've said before that these guys, and it's not just motorcycle racers; it's any top athlete ha- thinks differently than you and I. And I think you can you can get a little bit of hint of this in the way that Colin talks about the attitude that's required to to win and be a champion. So let's, let's take a listen here. In the UK at the moment, we've got a lot of good young talent that's building really substantial. But the trouble is... Well, I spent enough time out of the World Championship stuff, but you don't spend enough time around with us can, anymore. Can I say something real quick? Sorry. Nothing is your right. And you know, I, I love this country. I have nothing against you or you or any of you. But I will get mobbed or thrashed or beat the shit out. But... There is an attitude here that I don't like. And the attitude here is I want to participate and I want to do this and I want to do good and I hope I win and I wish I could win and it would be nice to get on the podium and this would be lovely. And that is, the, that is the one attitude that we have always gone against. Kill, win, I'm going to kick your ass and I'm going to shit in your neck and rip your head off. But it's, it's the attitude that I grew up with. It's called a Hangman. Well, okay. <laughs> Hangman's a perfect example. You know, and I, mean, the, I don't even know the guy. But the, you know, the only guy that I ever knew that had to kill, win, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do to win was Farty. And that's the only guy that's ever really, in my opinion, okay, very you know, whatever. But that was that was before my time. Yeah, what do you, what do you, uh, I'm not saying that you need to breed kids with that attitude, but they need to have a bit more of an attitude than, than what I, I'm getting across, you know? When I see kids and I see the young kids and they're coming up, they're like, oh yeah, they're you know, real polite, oh, I just want to race, I want to win, you know, this would be great. Sponsorship. I mean, he's running around with an Italian team without a local sponsor. 
with Gio Cecchinello, he's basically paying out of his own pocket to keep this geezer on a, on a motorbike. Because he's an Australian, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good logic there. I'm half Australian, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tried to. But it's, it, 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 it's got to be a worry, though, hasn't it, Casey? But the lack records that you, Leon Cammy, and Chaz Davis set when you were fighting in 125 to the Cups are still bloody there. That doesn't reflect well on the British, current crop of British young racers. I mean, I'm sure if you've got the talent here, if you've got the numbers, if you've got the enthusiasm, you know, bike riders and things like that, guys that love the race. But um, unfortunately, most people that I notice over here, you know, Colin knows the attitude, it's a similar thing, but it's just um, everybody says, you know, if I had his bike, I'd be winning. But, um, you know, our attitudes aren't like that, you know, it's like, right, we're going to ride the arse off whatever we got, and, um, you know, do the job, and that's where your concentration stays, and that's where your focus stays. And um, I know you've got the talent, you know, we've seen it in the past, but, um, you know, you really need to firstly support your, your riders a little bit more. You know, Australia might not have any sponsorship, but we sure get a lot of support, you know. And uh, even riders like, you know, Chaz Davis, I know I've raced against him, I know how, what his talent is. And uh, unfortunately, nobody's supporting him. Nobody's um, giving him the credit he deserves, and you know it's, it's a big struggle out there. I just thought of a story. Troy Corson's mum, Carol, she came up to me one day and she said, "Kate, Troy's dad, I can't do an Australian accent very well. <laughs> Troy's dad used to tell him you can only piss with a dick you're given." <laughs> So, like I said, that's you know, doesn't matter what you go. You gotta, you gotta kind of have that the killer instinct to win, and you go and you you check out any any champion in whatever form they've got. They've got that. I don't even call it instinct, that attitude, whatever. So um, the last bit is just a little quick bit, a little quick hit for you. Uh, it's only, only about 45 seconds. But this is uh, Keith Ewan talking, uh, making a comment uh, about something that he saw in, in a blog or the news post uh, that pretty much summed up, well, a lot of stuff, but it, uh, Carl Fogarty's um, reign, well, his whatever, his him, him, him running a team in MotoGP. Um, so take a listen to this. This is, this is damn funny. We need to bring him up. Everybody. We have got, do you know I love the globe? He's giving me more material. Yeah. Has, has, has anybody ever read a distinctly scurrilous website called MotoGP News? They occasionally have moments of sheer genius, uh, as well as all the normal crap you expect. But in a race report the other week, they said, I forget who it was, so-and-so's race went from bad to Petronas. Which is, I've been, I've been dying to use that in commentary, but I'd like to keep my job, you know. <laughs> so you got to admit, I mean, that is, that has got to be, that's just damn funny. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, so. <sighs> so, so with that, we'll end the show here. Been a yeah, good, good, good show here, I think. Uh, let's see. So I got some good outro music for you. We'll talk about that here in a second. Went, uh, went into the archives for this one, 
But um, so what do we got here? Next week's show, there's got to be something going on. We'll talk about testing, the testing at Laguna and um, Sears Point that's happening for the AMAs. Lots of stuff happening in MotoGP. Those guys are going to be back and not next weekend, but the weekend after for, for Turkey. Istanbul, that'll be, a, that'll be a good round. World Superbike, I think they got a couple weeks off here now. So we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff going on. And if need be, we can always hit the Wayback Machine once again. I got hundreds of pounds of magazines downstairs I can pull up, pull up from the archives. So with that, we will, uh, we will get the hell out of here. And uh, let you know that Rumble Strip Radio is a production of Raul Duke Media LLC and is protected under a Creative Commons license. Some rights are reserved. I want you to go out there, tell all your friends, your family, everyone else you know who loves motorcycles about the show, burn them a CD, point them to the website, uh, do whatever you've got to do. Like I said, take our player, put it on your website so that more people can hear it that way as well. So until I talk to you again, oh, what's well, sorry, intro music. Went back to the archives for this. And, and we'll have to give you a warning. If you are driving down the road in your car, riding on your bike, you got it's late, it's dark, whatever, or you just got an empty bit of uh, of road here, you're going to have to check yourself because maybe this won't happen for you. But this is one of those songs. It's one of those road songs where you just not only you got to crank it up, but you're going to get lost in the song. And the next time you look down at your speedometer, you're going to be doing about a buck twenty-five. So uh, going back to the archives to I'm trying to remember when it came out in, in 1985. So uh, it's my sophomore or junior year in high school. But uh, very, very, very cool song uh, from from back then. So until I talk to you again next week, have fun, be good. But most importantly, keep it on two wheels. Talk to you soon.